Welcome to the Back in Business podcast. Uh, I'm the CEO of Back in Business, Liz Barclay, and with me today is Ben Everett, who is MP for Milton Keynes. He's also the chairman of the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Housing Market and Housing Delivery, and is the chair of the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Connected and Automated Mobility. Um, Ben, I think I'm right in saying that your Milton Keynes North constituency's home to numerous automated mobility trials, including driverless cars. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, we've got a a bunch of exciting technologies in Milton Keynes North. Um, It's the benefit of having a city that is uh, is only 54 years old in that it was built on a a grid system um, with separate pedestrian ways and cycle ways so that you can trial out these uh, these bits of kit these bits of tech so not only have we got driverless cars on the road we've got driverless pods zooming around on the uh, the redways the pedestrian areas um, and then things like e-scooter trials as well um, so all kinds of different micro mobility solutions are, are tested in Milton Keynes. Innovation then would you say is at the heart of that economy of Milton Keynes? Oh, absolutely. It's in Milton Keynes's DNA. It's uh, it, it is a business city. It's a private sector city, and it really it really ticks with innovation. So we've got um, uh, we, we've got space technology in in Milton Keynes. Um, uh, local businesses have partnerships with the Open University, which is based in Milton Keynes. Um, we've got Formula One racing, uh, the likes of uh, Aston Martin and, and Red Bull, um, and then uh, we've even in uh, in Milton Keynes South uh, got a private sector nuclear reactor under construction. Uh, which I'm very pleased is just south of uh, of my patch. I don't know much about blast zones, so uh, but that but I'm pleased it's not in my patch. Um, and I'm not going to ask you about that <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know enough about that either. But what I'm thinking about is because, of course, as you know, we're very uh, interested in the fate of small businesses coming out of the pandemic and where they will sit in the recovery and then particularly micro businesses and people who are self-employed. So what role do you see the small businesses, the very smaller ones perhaps, playing in the innovation that will allow job creation that will therefore drive this economic recovery? Oh, it's, it's absolutely fundamental, absolutely fundamental. So um, and we've got 8,600 businesses registered in, in Milton Keynes North. Uh, and of course, you know, we've got big players. We've got uh, you know, Santander and we, we've got uh, the, 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 the big financial companies have got uh, offices there. Um, but the huge majority of, uh, of businesses are small and micro and they are the real engine of our economy and they will drive our economic recovery. Um, so as, as employment goes, if we can get channels to employment based on uh, the local need, the local skill set, and then fill those gaps uh, in the education system um, uh, and also in the provision of, uh, of further education, um, working with employers, to, um, building on what Milton Keynes is good at, the innovation, the technology, uh, the data science and so on, um, then we can we can really drive our economic recovery from Milton Keynes. But you're saying you need to look at the local needs and the local skills. But in order to get this happening quickly, are you not in the position where you need to bring the skills in if they don't exist already, rather than wait for school leavers to come through the system? Yeah, well, of course, in... 
in, in practical terms, the time to start was years ago. Um, so of course we do need to get skills in. Milton Keynes is very connected as well. So uh, so we we do, you know, at rush hour people are driving into Milton Keynes to work rather than to go out to work elsewhere. So it is it is a, a, an economic hub, um, and more skills are always welcome as uh, in, in because it's a it's a growing economy and it's a productive economy. Um, but really, what we need to do is 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 identify what those skills employers are searching for and provide some local provision for it. Um, but at the same time, it's not about picking those future skills. It's also about maintaining keeping skills in. So we, we have great schools in Milton Keynes, um, but uh, quite often people will go to go to a school, get some good A-levels, head off to university and then never come back. And that's uh, that, that sort of brain drain is, is part of the problem. So finding ways of, of filling that further education gap in Milton Keynes as well are, are, is going to be part of the solution. I'm just smiling because um, I think Lucy Armstrong told us in Newcastle and uh, someone else we interviewed in one of the other big cities said, we want the students to come here and we want them to stay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so you're, you're on the other side of that particular coin where you're saying, we need you to come back. Uh, <laughs> and we also need to bring in other people with other skills who want to live here. Uh, so, it, and a phrase I've heard used a lot recently is livability. Absolutely. And, and this is where the, the, the passions that I have to do with housing and housing delivery and the affordability of housing collide for head on with the, the kind of the, the quality problem that we've got in, in Milton Keynes about who's who's going to do all these exciting new jobs. Because um, essentially Milton Keynes is is the top end of the southeast. So we do suffer from that. That's uh, the southeast house price um, scenario where actually uh, affordable housing really isn't affordable in in normal terms because it's uh, it's still in the southeast so we do need to address that uh, that supply side to build the right house in the right place at the right uh price point for uh, for for people to to come and move and build a life um in uh, in in the areas where those jobs are and that's not just a milton Keynes phenomenon of course when you when you apply that to the leveling up agenda that housing is going to be fundamental uh, because you know, we can we can stimulate all the economic growth that we want to by the government investing in pump priming and uh, attracting companies to uh, to locate factories and headquarters to uh, to target areas. But it is the people that uh, that are employed in those jobs by those employers, um, the big ones and the small businesses that service them, that will make that sustainable. So if they don't have somewhere uh, of sufficient quality and price and the right price to live, then we, it won't work with the right infrastructure built around about it of course because you need doctors and schools and shops absolutely. and so on to support yeah. all of that absolutely yeah it's and uh, but but get, getting that plan right at a strategic level almost a kind of a regional spatial level is uh, is is where we need to be thinking so you're talking about eight around 8000 uh, small businesses in the area how many of those would you say have already shifted to be digital, have have made that leap? Because as someone said to me the other day, we've done uh, 10 years of digital transformation, <laughs> technology transformation in 90 days. And there are a lot of small businesses that have been left behind by the speed of that change. 
That's right. And in conversation with businesses, large and small, across the constituency, the, the phrase that comes up the whole time is necessity is the mother of invention. So people have found a way to make it work. Businesses have pivoted from to, to doing something completely different. Um, people have uh, have taken their C-bills loans to invest in, uh, in, in new ventures. Um, so we, we have seen a lot of positivity, a lot of innovation. And a lot of that, by necessity, has been digitally driven. Do the businesses in your area have all the support they need then to make sure that they don't get left behind? Um, well, the short answer is no, because we can always do with more support. There, you know, we, there, there's there's plenty of government cash available. It's a matter of getting it out there, and that administrative exercise is 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 quite uh, quite challenging at at every level. Um, and of course, you know, filling in the forms. Uh, is an absolute minefield for uh, for small and, uh, and micro enterprises. So uh, so yeah, we're we're not going to take our foot off the pedal. Um, I've got plenty of casework that says that, that, uh, that, that there's a there's a local business that uh, isn't managing to access the funds, and we work very very hard to try and join all the dots to uh, to make sure that they can. And it is frustrating when that doesn't happen. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm trying very very hard to make sure that. The, the council is allocating the funds to businesses that it has been uh, given by, by the government. It's not always about funds, though. And it's interesting that of the, all the businesses we've talked to over the past 10 months, uh, funding has very rarely been the issue. It's been about, well, how do I get online? How do I change my business? How do I do that pivoting technologically? Where can I get the support I need? the help, the advice, the information, rather than just necessarily the funding. Absolutely, Liz. And and, and back, back in pre-pandemic days, of course, that will be where chambers of commerce and, and business breakfasts came in and that people would just network with each other, build those contacts, share their experiences, recommend some people to, uh, to come in and support and advise. And so moving that digital as well has been also been a challenge. And uh, um, we're blessed in Milton Keynes because we are a sort of a, a digitally savvy um, community so that that did happen a lot at the start of the pandemic business clubs kind of went online we had some online zooms and stuff and really really built sort of a community network around that sort of thing um, but more of that will have to happen as we uh, as, as as really things things start to get a bit more serious as we come out of the uh, the 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 health crisis and start to manage the uh, the, the economic consequences of that the, there seems to be um, centres of excellence, I suppose, is that how you would put it, hubs growing up all over the UK. So, for instance, you've got renewables coming out of Newcastle, you've got wind and wave power in Orkney, you've got fintech and suretech, uh, property tech, <laughs> all built around technology, but in different areas and, and people gravitating uh, taking their skills to those areas um how do you see this developing because somehow or other it seems to me it needs to be connected up yeah around the uk in order to make the best of all of the skills and all of the investment and uh, all of the infrastructure yeah i agree entirely and and you we're in this kind of railway scenario where um i mean britain had its industrial revolution first and it was powered by the railways but the railways were built um by the private sector you know stockton to darlington 
uh, Liverpool to Manchester and so on. And, and we ended up with this kind of patchwork railway network uh, you know, built by Victorians with beards and grand ideas and, and you know, fun, funded, funded by themselves and their, and their backers. And, and, and eventually it all, it, it all joined up and we've got this wonderfully quirky railway network in the UK. And then over on the continent, uh, they were way, way behind and, uh, and, and just built you know, Paris to Nice, boom. Um, so, so it, 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 yes, it's quicker to take the train from Paris to, 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 to Nice. Um, but at the same time, we're talking a sort of a 30, 40, 50 year lag. Um, so what do we want to do? Where, where, where is the balance uh, between allowing that innovation to thrive um, on a, an individual, local, geographical, sectoral level, um, and then applying what is going to be a slower hand of the state to uh, to sort of even things out and this is the the, the the pandemic has had added a whole new dimension to that uh, in terms of where the state needs to intervene to uh, to support innovation where the state needs to um to to intervene to uh, to to act in things like housing market failure um, and support industries to uh, to carry on going um so really really difficult policy challenges um done with frankly a, a, a treasury that is is not flush with cash at the moment um, but some really really ambitious goals for the government we have not forgotten that uh, in 2019 we, we, we well, the government stood and i stood on a manifesto that pledged to level up the united kingdom that pledged to pivot to net zero by 2050 um, we are going to do that and we are going to put the pieces in place to do it both physical um, uh, and policy wise um, but uh, but we're going to do it in a, in a post-pandemic world now. So it's really, really challenging. And I think the, the role of enterprise and innovation has as much to play in, in, in that as it did in the first industrial revolution. You say you're going to do it. And uh, yes, and that's terrific. That's what we want to hear. Um, but I always, I, I want to know what it means. You know, what is levelling up really really mean what does building back better really mean and have we really understood the underlying structural inequalities that covid has uncovered and therefore how are we going to make sure that those inequalities do not exist when we come out and when we build back better well those those are exactly the questions that uh, that, that we need to be asking because leveling up means um, getting rid of those inequalities and acting in areas where the market has failed and the, the state has not been as supportive as possible. And essentially it means it, it means the government taking making making a few bets, um, put it, putting some money into a into an area, uh, be it by pump priming in terms of infrastructure or um, uh, tax breaks for businesses. To, uh, to come and set up sustainably um, and build a local economy that is based around innovation, enterprise, and crucially employment, access to long-term jobs with the skills pathway that needs to, needs to follow those to make those sustainable. It's about making the state work uh, for people um, and then getting it to, to run for enterprise. In my head, um, it means making sure that people from ethnic minorities have as much support as they need to create the business as they want to create, people with disabilities, people with neurodiversity, et cetera. Um, and we can't go into the, all the granular detail, but take for instance, the youth unemployment situation at the moment. And we do know that the 16 to 24 year old 
uh, age group has been particularly hard hit when it comes to unemployment. And of course, they cover, you know, they cover ethnicity, they cover disability, they cover neurodiversity, etc. Um, so that is a ve very, very important issue. But you've also got people who were hit very badly in 2008 and between that and 2012, and they're 30 something now. <laughs> and they're um, they're just getting on their feet and finding that they've been hit by this too. How do we make sure that we don't waste a whole generation of young people with hugely important ideas, digital natives with brilliant skills? How do we make sure that we address this as a matter of urgency? Well, in, in the first instance, um, investment in retraining, reskilling, um, so that people... Um, don't fall into the trap of long-term unemployment. Um, that we're making sure that uh, that if, if people are affected um, by job losses, redundancies, um, uh, business failure as a result of, uh, of of COVID, that we are we're we're giving them the support that they need to pivot into um, roles that are going to be sustainable in the future with those digital skills, um, and that we're we're not teaching people to do yesterday's jobs. Essentially, um, so and that's that's what the uh, the Kickstarter scheme is all about. It's you know it's, it it is not necessarily aimed at specifically at younger people because because uh, uh, you know any, anybody can get on that. Um, then of course, we so, need but to it make doesn't really work well for small businesses. No, no, and I think part 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 of the problem is is making sure that or part part sorry part of the solution <laughs> is make, making sure that um, the government supports as many businesses of all sizes. So that because recognizing that small businesses don't exist in isolation, they very often service a part of a wider ecosystem, a business ecosystem, an industrial ecosystem that that you know is 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 reliant on lots of small businesses as as, as a supplier. Um, essentially, you can't you can't pick a winner when it comes to businesses. Um, everybody needs to be surviving and thriving in or, in order to for for small businesses to work. And I do accept that, but at the same time, big businesses don't innovate in the same way. They aren't the risk takers. The small businesses are the risk takers. They're the ones that will create the jobs. Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of what the, um, uh, the, the, the most recent measures in the budget uh, are, are all about. It's about trying to stimulate a bit more um, investment in um, innovation and, uh, and risk from, uh, from, from bigger businesses. You know, but even before the pandemic, um, for various reasons that went back to, to kind of the um, kind of the market neurosis that we got from 2008 to, to 2010, we knew that business was sitting on record piles of cash um, and not investing in, in innovation in R&D and plant and equipment. Um, we, we knew this. Um, and actually, this is one of the reasons why quite, quite a few businesses in the UK have weathered the, uh, the storm a bit better. What we need to do now is find ways of incentivizing the, uh, the, those businesses to take those risks, to invest. And that, and that of course, as you, as you put it, is, is where the opportunities are for SMEs and also for microenterprises. Um, it's making sure that there aren't barriers to accessing that between businesses um, that are set up by the tax system, that by regulation, uh, by all kinds of red tape that we have. And of course, doing so in a in a rapidly changing environment as well. We've, we've left the European Union and everything's new in terms of the relationship there. Um, we also have um, 
a, a 67, I think, trade deals with, uh, um, with, with countries around the world now. And new and exciting markets like the CPTPP, um, those are some of the, the biggest, fastest growing markets in the world. Um, but of course, you, you talk to an, a local SME and, and they, they, they have no idea how to export to those markets. So putting in those um, the, the support networks locally to, to, to access those markets, um, supporting the, the, the larger businesses in order to, to get them to innovate, take some risks and support smaller businesses. Um, as I say, you can't, you can't pick one winner in this. Um, you have to, have to grow the pie as a whole in order, in order to make it sustainable. Otherwise, we're, you know, any, any government targeted money would not, would not be sustainable. We would, we would support part of the system for a bit. And then it, uh, it it would sort of tail off when the, the the tap turned off from the government. That's not what we want. No, and I I've, I fully agree with that. We need to grow the pie as a whole. If I'm talking to you in twelve months' time, how far, how big, how, how baked is that pie going to be? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent question. <laughs> um, I think we're still at cleaning the oven stage, Liz. <laughs> I hope not, because this is my slight concern that we are uh, we have people with great skills um, which aren't quite ready to help with the pie um, languishing on universal credit in the meantime. Yeah. Um, and, and this is time is them, of the essence here. Absolutely. Accessing those skills and, and making sure that we, we link them up with work coaches, getting them into sustainable long term work in jobs that will be relevant in the future that will contribute to our green industries, to our green recovery, to, to delivering net zero is absolutely the name of the game. Um, in answer to your, to, to your how big is the pie question, I think what, one, of the, one of the things about, um, about national eco economics is that um, you get that sweet spot when you are growing considerably more than your neighbours um, and you get then then you get inward investment without even trying, you know. So we, we don't have to send those big trade delegations off to uh, to, to have socially distanced cocktails or whatever it is they do. Um, actually, they will start coming to us if we are, if we are seen as pro business, pro enterprise, have a, 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 a simple but robust regulatory and taxation frame, framework. We will start to get a even more FDI. And of course, the UK is second only to the US in terms of the FDI that we get at the moment. Um, so we're, you know, we're, the tap's running quite hot already. Um, and if we can do what we can to, to get more investment in UK businesses, that will only be good for small businesses as well. Um, ben, I'm very glad to hear the, the tap's running quite hot. Uh, you'll see steam coming out of our ears if, <laughs> if our small businesses aren't getting the support that we think they need. Um, it's been really, really good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us, Ben Everett. MP for Milton Keynes North. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. It's been a pleasure.